You're listening to Catholic Chicago Week in Review on Relevant Radio 950 AM and 930 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you conversation about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Good morning. I'm Michael May of the Archdiocese of Chicago's Radio TV office. It's good to be with you today. Every Saturday, we bring you highlights of our local radio programs that can be heard Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 in the morning on WNDC 750 AM. We begin today with a highlight from our Catholic Schools Today program hosted by Dr. Jim Rigg, Superintendent of Chicago Catholic Schools, and Father Greg Sakowitz, Rector of Holy Name Cathedral. Dr. Rigg started things off with an update about the Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic Schools. Let's take a listen. Good morning, Jim. How are you today? I am good, Father. I hope you're doing well. Uh, yes, uh, back perhaps by popular demand, but definitely uh, back by social distancing here. So obviously calling in this morning versus being in studio so that we don't expose our germs to one another. Right, Father? It's amazing, uh, Jim. We did the program together in the studio that second Monday in March. Right. Which would have right. been uh, March see, 14th, March 9th. And then that weekend is when the whole stay-at-home started. So we... We just yep. finished our ninth weekend without Mass at the cathedral, and, uh, of course, many Masses live-streamed, including from the cathedral with Cardinal Supich, also on ABC TV. But the ninth weekend, about two months now, and, uh, Jim, how are you holding up in all this? I think I'm doing okay. So uh, my family and I have uh, been together for most of the last few weeks. I've, I've had a chance to get into the office a little bit, and uh, maybe about three weeks ago, lectured for a recorded uh, Mass. We've been doing weekly Masses uh, for Catholic schools every Wednesday at 10 a.m., and I had a chance to lecture the first one, and uh, so I went into the Quigley Center and participated in uh, the Mass and received communion. Uh, it was the first time I'd had a chance to do that for several weeks, and it was uh, incredibly moving for me. Uh, I know that we all miss the ability to participate directly in the sacraments, so as you said uh, at the beginning, you know, we have to have hope that this too will pass. Exactly. Uh, and that we have to rely on each other and pray for each other, and hopefully we will get through this. Now say more, Jim, about the Mass, because I actually uh, tape the Mass tomorrow for Wednesday mm-hmm. for Catholic schools. So it started, what, about three or four weeks ago? Yeah, it was, I think yeah, three or four weeks ago we decided to have a weekly Mass uh, for Catholic school students, families, and employees you know, many of our local parishes are taping Masses as well, mm-hmm. uh, but we don't want to assume that those Masses are available and viewable for every one of our families. And we thought it might be a nice sign of support and unity to have uh, one Mass um, for Catholic school students, families, and employees once a week. And so we've been taping it uh, every uh, Wednesday or broadcasting it every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Uh, we've had different celebrants and different uh, lectors, so I was the first lector uh, since then, we've had uh, Catholic school principals, high school and elementary school principals, and then we've had an array of uh, bishops and priests who are very school-focused in their ministry, uh, such as you, Father Greg. And so, uh, really, you know, I've had a chance to tune in every week and really find it to be an inspiring part of my work to be able to participate in that particular Mass. And I know those Masses, not only on Wednesday for Catholic schools and their uh, parents and uh, children and the employees, their diocese but also we do it Monday through Friday, and I know it a, gets a lot of views, yep. a lot of uh, viewers, and I'm very honored tomorrow to uh, tape the Mass for Wednesday for Catholic schools because I so believe in Catholic education starting my own life going back to Mary Seat of Wisdom 100 years ago. And yep. Notre Dame College 150. Prep, 150. <laughs> and yep. Notre Dame College <laughs> Prep, Class of 71. And so I so believe in the education 
uh, for the Archdiocese of Chicago and beyond. And so it's so very important. So it's a great idea. So what else is happening with the Archdiocese for Catholic schools? I know there's so much, even though there's stay-at-home, you are working. Yep. In fact, and probably in some ways, you are working harder than ever because everything is magnified because in some ways we are creating the wheel. There's no playbook. There's, these are all uncharted waters as we, as we move forward. Yes, so we continue to work, as you said, harder than ever. Uh, We believe passionately that our students need to continue learning in spite of the circumstances. And so since the the school buildings of the Archdiocese shut down there on the, the 16th of March, our educators have worked incredibly hard to continue to deliver a high-quality education through e-learning and alternative learning. And as I said last month, I've been just so impressed by the dedication and the passion and the hard work of our educators who have really stepped up to work you know, extra hours, extra hard, to make sure that their students continue to learn. Nothing can uh, replace you know, the direct uh, mm-hmm. a teacher and a student in a classroom, but nevertheless, we're very proud of what we've been able to, uh, to provide to our students and families during this time. We're also uh, getting a lot of questions about the fall. Of course, our students and, and families and employees are very eager to return to school, and uh, we, we don't know what uh, life is going to look like come August. Uh, at this point, we are assuming and planning as if our schools will reopen. Mm-hmm. That certainly is our hope and our intention. Uh, but we will continue to monitor developments and talk with you know, health officials and epidemiologists and others uh, to determine you know, if and when our, it is safe for our students to return to school. Uh, but we really intend and plan and hope that that will happen come the fall. You know, it's very interesting, uh, Jim, that uh, remember... The very first stay-at-home was until April 7th. As we neared April 7th, it became April 30th. As we neared April 30th, it became the end of May. So I'm hoping and praying by the end of May, which is about still three weeks away, we figure that uh, Memorial Day weekend is a week from this weekend uh, because it's early this year. But I think you'll find this very fascinating. uh, And Brian Hockey, Hitman Brock, was uh, we heard for that too, is we had a wonderful guest on a week from a week ago today, Dr. Edward Gordon, very active mm-hmm. in the cathedral, along with his wife Elaine. He's a historian. He spent a lot of his life researching pandemics historically. And so he said, if this were a baseball game, this whole coronavirus, we are right now in the second inning. Oh, don't tell me that, Father. Yeah, yeah. And I said, I said, I, <laughs> I said, thought this was the seventh inning in fact, here, Father. In fact, that's <laughs> exactly what I said to Edward. I said, Edward, you mean this is the sixth or seventh inning? He said, Greg, I hate to tell you, we are in the second inning. And I said, Edward, what are you talking about? And he said, well, if you go back to the pandemic of the Spanish flu, it was, it was 100 years ago, a different world, but he said it hit in the spring of 18. It eased up a lot in the summer of 18, but came back with a roaring vengeance in the fall and winter of 18 into 19. He said this one could, may not, may not automatically, but it could follow the same pattern. But he says his big fear is people coming back too soon you see things yeah. are opening up. On the other hand, you and I both know that people want to get back to church, want to get back to Eucharist. Yep. And the economy, every week that we are restaurants closed and other businesses closed, we're going deeper and deeper into depression in terms of the economy. So it's a double-edged sword. But it's just amazing how this has taken over our lives. Even, you know, people yesterday from Mother's Day and normally going to see their moms or families getting together, they're doing drive-bys and waving. Yep, yep. 
you know, and so it, uh, but again, you raise a great question about the fall for education, and you're still trying to get through this academic year that ends sometime in June. Yep. Well, we just have to continue to pray and, and uh, pray that the Holy Spirit guides us all through this and that God offers us uh, this continuing protection. Uh, we're following God's plan, not our own. And uh, we have to plan, uh, but we also have to pray for the Holy Spirit. Later in the same program, Dr. Jim and Father Greg had the pleasure of getting to know a local student who is the valedictorian of St. Francis de Sales High School's graduating class of 2020 and is also the recipient of the prestigious National Honor Society Scholarship. Let's listen in. Unfortunately, our school buildings have been uh, shut down now since mid-March because of the coronavirus and uh, will continue to be closed through the rest of the academic year. And our educators have been working just incredibly hard to continue a high-quality Catholic education through e-learning and alternative learning. But unfortunately, the closure of our school buildings has had um, a particularly hard effect on our seniors, those uh, students who are graduating from our Catholic high schools. And each of our high schools has planned an array of special events and recognitions uh, for our graduating seniors. Uh, I'm so delighted that we have an outstanding young woman uh, who is one of our graduating seniors on the phone with us this morning. Uh, I had a chance to meet her in person at her school uh, last uh, spring uh, during a special event. Uh, Her name is Rosa Mendoza, and she is a graduating senior at St. Francis de Sales High School on the southeast side. Uh, Rosa is the recipient of the prestigious National Honor Society Scholarship and is also the class valedictorian. Uh, She's been, uh, in addition to working hard in the classroom, she's been a member of the school choir, she's been an altar server, and an elected officer on the student council. She's the captain of the girls' varsity soccer team and varsity volleyball team. So we're delighted to welcome uh, to the show this morning uh, Miss Rosa Mendoza, along with John Kamek, who is the principal of St. Francis de Sales High School, and Mary Kay Rodriguez, who is the director of community relations. So Rosa, John, Mary Kay, are you with us? Yes. Yes. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome, everybody. Rosa, when do you find time to study with all those extra activities which are incredibly terrific and uh that's amazing you know the fact that you are the national honor society scholarship recipient class valedictorian all these other things what an outstanding young lady you are rosa oh thank you (laughs) um it's it's kind of hard balancing everything because i'm also very active in my church and the youth group which church is that by the way um saint francis de sales oh sure yeah okay that's that's terrific yeah, and sometimes, um, you know, it's like three hours of sleep, sometimes all-nighters. But, I mean, at the end of the day, everything's worth it. I'll tell you, my, my all-nighter days are long over. And, my, <laughs> and remember those days well, Jim know, crammed uh, me for the exam? You're a, you're a humble person, but let me ask Mr. Kamek, your principal. Mr. Kamek, tell us a little bit about Rosa and, and why she's accomplished so much. <clears throat> well, Dr. Rigg, I think Rosa's academic accomplishments can stand on their own. Uh, She's done just a tremendous job with us since transferring in as a sophomore. But I think what speaks even more highly and accurately to Rosa is the depth of her character. She mentioned that she's very involved uh, in in her parish. She's been very involved in the liturgical life here at school. And as impressive as her academic accomplishments are, 
her integrity, I think, is what I'm going to remember the most about her and how she uplifted our our student body and even had the courage and leadership enough to challenge some of her peers uh, if they weren't uh, coming along as they should uh, from time to time, which is uh, takes a tremendous amount of courage for a high school senior to take uh, to take those kind of steps. She really represents the best of what we hope for at DeSales. That is just outstanding, and that uh, those are very high applause coming from your uh, principal, Rosa. And that uh, now, Rosa, in all that you do in trying to balance everything out, because it's one thing to be to do well academically, but that's just whole the whole part of the spectrum. You're a young woman of deep faith, uh, integrity, compassion, caring. You reach out, thinking of others, and uh, is this who you are? Would you put this root? going back to home to your mom and dad in your upbringing? Um, would, would I what? Would you, in terms of who you are today, there's always many factors that go into it, which means family, church, school, community. Um, but I presume you come from a family that you were given tremendous basics about loving, caring, forgiveness, and reaching out to others, challenging others. Yes, 100%. Um, my parents have always raised me Catholic, and um, they always told me that um, to be the change that I want to see in the world, and which is why I want to be a doctor, because um, mm. I want to help out people. And my father has always told me that no matter if someone's rude to you or gives you hate or anything, um, be the person that you would want someone to be to you if something was going on in your life because we never know what's going on in anyone's life. So my parents have always taught me to be humble and treat everyone how I would be, how I would want to be treated. Every like we talk about, you know, be the change in the world. Mm-hmm. And that's so critically important. But again, beside rooted in a tremendous family, I know the fact that St. Francis de Sales high school has a tremendous reputation. So speak for a moment about what you have learned from the high school beyond the academics. Um, I learned that I can reach out to my teachers and staff for help outside of academics. And, and if I ever need anything, um, extra tutoring or any extra websites or anything like that, everyone is willing to help me. Um, I've been taught that with sports specifically to always stay united. And as a team, it's better to be united than to try to be the best, like, on your own. And I feel like that taught me to be humble, to work with others, and, mm-hmm. yeah, to work hard. Well, and, uh, Rosa, you mentioned that you want to be a doctor, which I find uh, incredibly profound, given what we're going through with the coronavirus. Uh, just tell us a little bit about your specific plan. So if you select... Um, well, I want to be specifically a gynecologist. Um, okay. I want to go into biochemistry. I want to major in biochemistry at um, the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, which I will be going to in fall, hopefully. <laughs> um, but, um, yes. That's tremendous. And it, uh, now along those lines, uh, Mary Kay Rodriguez, you are the Director of Community Relations. So specifically, your role in reaching out to the community, um, has that sometimes been very challenging for you? You know, it has, um, but certainly with a uh, good news, happy news story like this, this is easy. 
this is this is the, the the part where we do not want to hide this under a, a basket, and and this is a, the light that we want to shine um, out to our community for sure. Because Rosa is that kind of student that continues to make us proud. It renews our energy, especially during this difficult time as educators, and um, it just proves that our mission is still going strong, it's thriving, and um, th- this is those stories that, you know, we, we love to um, get out in- into our community, for sure. There's no question, Rosa, you are a faculty and administration delight for <laughs> your school. Any school would love to have you, and, uh, and I just know that you know, maybe for either John or Mary Kay, with this whole stay at home, it does present its challenges. But I'm also learning from Cardinal Supich, there's also, you know, new beginnings here. And this is not a waste of time. It's just learning and doing stuff in a different way for right now. Want to respond to that? I think it's a great point. <clears throat> and, you know, I like with anything in life, we have the we have circumstances that are in front of us and we can be crushed by them or we can accept them as they are and try to grow from them. And I would, I would say in particular, as it relates to our staff, we've come out, we've gotten much stronger and have become much more united even during this time, having to uh, get kind of creative with how we're going to engage with one another, how we're going to engage with students. And it's been really neat for me to hear, uh, we meet every week as a faculty to hear how teachers start talking about, you know, this was really difficult in the beginning, but it's teaching me new ways that I know I'll be able to engage with my students, you know, when we do return, when we come back, God willing, in August or whenever it is that we're able to able to return. I think my, my practice as a teacher is going to be, you know, even better, you know, based on what we've, what we've experienced during this time. Uh, and our school continues to drive forward. We continue to drive forward with our mission. We're not wavering from it one ounce. But rather, just looking at it uh, in a in a different light, we're we're still serving the young men and women of the East Side that we have for 81 years, just in a little bit of a different fashion right now. So when we do come back, we're going to be even stronger, more energized, perhaps even a little bit better than what we were before, and we're going to be ready to go. And there, I mean, there's no question this has been a very very tough road. But something I said at the beginning of the program, I can say it all the time for the people of the cathedral, is in the name of the Lord, choose peace over panic, faith over fear, and wisdom over worry. And by the way, Jim, do you have the $75 you owe me? <laughs> uh, of course not. And I, uh, I I'm br- socially distant, so I don't have to pay you back. <laughs> You're a great comeback. Jim, take it away. <laughs> Happy to. So, uh, John, I know that um, the closure of our school buildings has impacted our senior graduates in a special way. They're not able to directly participate in the normal senior activities, such as graduation, the senior prom, awards, luncheons, and so forth. And I know each of our Catholic high schools is taking a little bit of a different approach of how to support the seniors. Can you talk a little bit about how St. Francis de Sales is supporting the senior class and celebrating their many accomplishments? Yes, so we felt it was important to do a couple of things with this. For starters, albeit in a, in a way that nobody had anticipated, we wanted to be sure that we brought some healthy celebratory closure to the end of 
end of the school year in a timely fashion. So for starters, we're having just what we're quickly dubbing a, a graduation by appointment, where following all of the CDC and Archdiocesan guidelines, students can come with their parents and pick up their cap and gown, their diploma, and be pronounced as graduated to have that experience that both student and mom and dad have been waiting for for 18 years, give or take, and to put the cap and gown on and have the diploma uh, in their hand. And then we have scheduled a formal ceremony for Wednesday, August 12th here at the high school, uh, the regular graduation ceremony, should we be at that time permitted to do so. And uh, I actually was writing about that this morning in a weekly newsletter that goes out. And, uh, boy, if we're able to be together, then what a tremendous celebration uh, that would be to be able to recognize this class who I heard an interesting uh, tidbit on the radio a couple of weeks ago that a majority of our seniors were born uh, probably on the heels of 9-11. So they were born mm-hmm. into conflict, and now they're graduating from high school in conflict. That's very so interesting because tr- that was a- 9-11-2001. That's right. Never thought about that. Yeah, so what a tremendous accomplishment it'll be for them to gather with their classmates and then graduate from high school and go down to the next phase of life to which uh, the good Lord has called them. We're really, really hoping that we can come together uh, in August and recognize this this group that has just meant so much to our school. Now, Rose, a lot of times I talk to many of the adults from Holy Name Cathedral in the community education world, but here you are, a high school senior and here you are the last two months at home learning. How has your own personal life as an 18-year-old been affected by COVID-19? Um, well, it's scary because my parents are older, and, you know, it's scary for them, scary for our family. Um, but I think, you, I, don't, I don't know. And we've been praying every day at 3 p.m., Mm-hmm. I feel like God is my only source of like motivation and like to keep pushing. It is going to be hard to take the placement exam for my university because everything I just learned in these past two months online is kind of a blur. But um, I think just keep pushing. But on another level in Rosa, for example, this would be normally a Monday morning. You would have been in school coming off a weekend of you know, visiting with friends. <clears throat> so how has your world changed in terms of, I'm sure you do a lot of uh, Skyping with your friends or on the phone, you know, on the, on the uh, cell phone, but your whole world has changed in terms of how you interact with others with the stay-at-home situation. Yes. Um, I feel like I, I still have my planner, so I organize which assignments <clears throat> I have to do and make sure I get them done by the time they do. Um, we have we try to have um, a lot of family time, so we'll try to pick like a game like Uno or like um, um, other other games, and we'll play them for an hour or two, or we'll, we'll sit down and watch a movie. And I feel like having the family time makes up for the friends and fam like friends that I don't have right now because of quarantine. But um, going to the store is like going to a fashion show or something. Because you just want to go out and look presentable because you have nowhere else to go. <laughs> I never quite heard it put that way in terms of a going shopping as a fashion show. I like that. <laughs> you have a question there, Jim? Well, uh, 
if I if I may, I'll just put Mary Kay on the spot a little bit. Um, as we did with St. Matthias, I just want to remind everybody that uh, families are, are still looking for educational options for the coming year. St. Francis de Sales is a wonderful school there on the southeast side. And Mary Kay, maybe if you could tell us if a family is interested in potentially enrolling at St. Francis de Sales, uh, is there a website and a phone number that they could call? Oh, yes. Oh, for sure. We are um, definitely accepting applications, um, and we are going to be doing them virtually. So you can find all of that information on our website, and that is sfdshs.org. One more time for that, Mary Kay. That's www.sfdshs.org, and then our phone number is 773-731-7272. That number once again. Is 773-731-7272. And can I give my email address? One quick time. Go ahead. Okay. M-R-A-M-I-R-E-Z at sfdshs.org. Our prayers and best wishes go out to Rosa and everyone else in the graduating class of 2020. Stick around. In a moment, we'll hear about some of the behavioral health initiatives being offered by Catholic Charities during COVID-19. Back in a moment. Teamwork. It's a word that inspires individuals and groups of people to achieve important goals. And in recent weeks, Teamwork has been essential to our food and nutrition services at Catholic Charities. Careful allocation of food supplies has allowed all nine of our food pantries to serve twice the number of guests they usually see. A detailed coordination of staff and resources has ensured that our WIC centers remain open for families with children under five years old. Despite social distancing, our volunteers and restaurant partners have continued to make to-go meals possible for the hungry and the homeless who come to 721 North LaSalle and our suburban locations. And our creative employees have worked with food vendors and neighbors to make sure homebound seniors and the disabled still have meals delivered to them. Our team members recognize how serious food insecurity can be. Please join us in our mission. Visit www.catholiccharities.net. We invite you to watch Catholic Chicago this weekend, featuring a conversation with Cardinal Blaise Supich and video highlights from across the Archdiocese. Here's host Todd Williamson. We'll talk with Cardinal Blaise Supich about how the COVID-19 epidemic is affecting just about every aspect of life in America, including how we worship. We'll talk about attending Mass online and how the church continues to reach out to help those in need. We'll also bring you stories about using modern technology to teach fire safety to our children and when losing your hair can be a good thing for others. Watch Catholic Chicago Friday at 7 p.m. on Chicago Loop Cable Channel 25 and Sunday afternoon at 3 on the Comcast Network Channel 100. Henry Ford once said, a business that makes nothing but money is a poor business. At Catholic Charities, we are deeply grateful to our corporate partners who agree with Henry Ford. Some of our corporate partners make a financial commitment each year to the work of Catholic Charities. 
Other partners donate or offer reduced prices on goods and services that help our clients find stability in their lives. Still other corporate leaders gather their employees and regularly volunteer at our food pantries and our suppers for the homeless. For over a century, support from businesses large and small has been vital to our efforts to strengthen the lives of individuals and communities, one person, one family at a time. If you'd like to join us in our mission, please call 312-948-6864. That's 312-948-6864. Thank you. You're listening to Catholic Chicago Week in Review on Relevant Radio, 950 a.m. and 930 a.m. Every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m., the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Welcome back to Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Every Saturday morning, we bring you highlights of our local Catholic radio programs that can be heard Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 in the morning on WNDZ 750 AM. This week on Voice of Charity, co-hosts Marie Jokum and Bridget Murphy welcomed guests Hector Rivera and Jessica Mead. They discussed positive mental health strategies and behavioral health initiatives that Catholic Charities of Chicago is offering to the growing number of people who are searching for counseling during this challenging time. Here's a highlight. Welcome, Hector and Jessica. Good morning. Thank you. So, Hector, in recent weeks, our call center has been receiving as many as 250 calls per day. Of those calls coming in that are directed to your department, what are the mental health concerns being expressed? What are you all seeing? So, our eight youth counseling programs are currently providing telehealth services to clients. Uh, We are receiving uh, requests for services and addressing and regulating thoughts and feelings about how the pandemic is impacting their mental health. Uh, COVID-19 is adding another layer of stress and complexity to many people's lives. With some clients, the goal has been to maintain appropriate functioning or to prevent making poor choices. With many families, staff are working with parents to support them as they try to establish new routines, manage behaviors, and even work on their own thoughts and feelings. Yeah, that is so interesting to me. I think we're all kind of in that same space, right? We're all kind of trying to understand what our new routines are to figure out our own behaviors, to do some self-regulation on our thoughts and feelings. And I would imagine even more so uh, with the folks that you are working with. That's that's incredible. What um, I've already thrown out one of the questions because <laughs> I have to follow up with this. What... Um, I mean, how do we regulate thoughts and feelings? I mean, wh- how, what do you tell people about how to th- manage all this? So two things. One, that we try to tap into our resources, as limited as they are right now, there are things that we can do. So we work individually with each child and family to identify what are the things that they can tap into that will help them feel better and less anxious and fearful. Another thing, you know, as humans, 
sometimes we get into these thinkings, these cognitive distortions and of like, you know, for example, everything's black and white. There's no in between. Um, like everything's really, really terrible or everything's really great. So we work with children and families to find that middle in between those the, the negative thinking. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, right, the sun's out, um, this won't last forever, sort of all the things we try to tell ourselves um, every day about this is just a moment in time. Um, I mean, that's sort of the most basic things that some of us do, and you're doing at a much more clinical level. Um, but that's helpful. Thanks. Sure. So what are children and young adults feeling and and how how do you reassure them? So, you know, you mentioned sort of that black and white thinking, but what else are they feeling? What are you experiencing? What are you all hearing? Uh, we feel that many children and young adults are really feeling scared and anxious mm-hmm. about in time they're really sad that this has disrupted their lives. So, we're working with uh children and young adults and their families um to assist them with the stress, asking them what they know about COVID, because maybe they have information that really isn't accurate. So we work with them in a developmentally appropriate way to provide them more accurate information. And then it's followed up by giving them positive coping skills, um, to, depending on de- like developmentally appropriate coping skills. And we should remind um, our listeners, obviously, you're, you're doing this over the phone or over video calls. Obviously, none of this is in person due to the stay-at-home order and health precautions. What's that dynamic like? So it definitely is a new skill set for our staff, and also it's a new way for our clients to think about uh, therapy or counseling. Um, so when the stay-at-home orders were put into place, our staff quickly moved into utilizing the different online and form, um, online and phone platforms, uh, you know, websites, different apps on your phone, so that we could meet the needs of clients. So telehealth actually has had a really positive impact because then we're still able to reach to our existing clients, but we're now able to reach even more clients than we did before. That is that's incredible. So, are are counselors working all times of day and night? How is, how does that look? So, um, our counselors, you know, due to the circumstances, therapists are able to be more flexible with scheduling to be to best meet clients' needs. However, because our therapists are also managing during this pandemic um, themselves, we encourage them to practice healthy self care and not be available all times of the day and night. That is so, so, so important because as I'm about to preach to the choir, but Bridget and I were even (laughs) just talking about this, like if we're not able to take care of ourselves, we're certainly not going to be able to take care of the folks around us. So I love that that is is a priority for you and your team. So Hector, um, talk to us a little bit about some of the mental health issues you were dealing with before the pandemic, right? Because um, some of your clients are new, but some of them were dealing with things before this started. So can you talk to us a little bit about what some of those situations have been and then maybe how um, COVID and the stay-at-home order have kind of layered on extra stress there? Sure. So 
life didn't stop for our clients when the pandemic started. Um, we were already working with many clients who are dealing with depression, their own trauma experiences. So many of our children that we see are have uh, experienced traumas through neglect or physical and sexual abuse. Um, so me- other existing mental health issues such as anxiety as well. So COVID just complicated that. The mental health issues didn't go away. Uh, they added an extra layer of complexity to the lives of um, the children and the families that we work with. So our staff have been working with helping them not only meet their treatment goals to their pre-existing mental health issues, but now helping them manage their the stress of fear and anxiety that's related to COVID. Um, and, and hopefully working towards, again, um, on, on their treatment goals for their pre-existing mental health issues. I can imagine, I mean, even as adults, we feel this as a, as a youth or adolescent, like what is the point of doing all this work on myself and on, on processing everything that's happened to me if life is going to keep throwing this stuff at me? Jessica, as the clinical manager in the youth counseling department, I, we'd love to sort of turn to you for a little bit and just see what some of your experiences have been and what are some family concerns that you've been hearing from clients recently, right? So it's not just the client. Obviously, our clients exist in family units um, and in various situations. So what have you been hearing? Sure. So um, right now, we actually have a number of clients and families who are actually experiencing COVID themselves. Um, some people actually have it, some of our children and their parents. Um, so families are just worried about the virus itself. Um, we've had some therapists who've really had to focus on grief counseling with our families, mm-hmm. um, who we've had a few families who died due to COVID and um, a couple of family members dying from other um, natural causes. And so grief has been sort of a predominant issue we've been working with families on. Um, and as Hector's mentioned before, too, a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that families are now forced to sort of re-figure out how to manage family life and family dynamics. Um, trying to make sure that multiple children with maybe one iPad are working on schoolwork and um, are getting enough of the sort of academic and other stimulations that they need. So just really working with um, families not only with issues directly related to the virus, but also sort of the, the secondary issues as well. You know, I was thinking this morning, I, I heard someone talk about how a high school is moving graduation to much later in the summer, and it's a, it's a modified graduation. But, but even around, you know, for young people around different things that they were going to be able to do, the grief around the loss of that, right? So obviously yeah. grief isn't isn't just when, when someone dies. There, there's other parts of that, too. So I would imagine there's a lot swirling around for families that you're, that you're serving. Definitely. Yeah. And what do I mean? And obviously, grief is more complicated. We can't gather to say goodbye to people in the same way. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about that in terms of there's such an added layer to not being able to say goodbye the way you want to? Definitely. Um, I mean, we've had a couple of clients who've lost 
pretty close loved ones during this um, stay-at-home order. And our therapists are just sort of working really hard to just be available to families, process sort of what they need in the moment, um, really helping them to sort of just stay grounded. Um, We've tried brainstorming as a team some ideas for families that they could do um, that are a little bit more ritual-based to give people, you know, some of those um, things that they're lacking, like a proper burial ritual, things like that. Wow, that that is fascinating and I think so indicative of, of the high quality of therapists that we have at Catholic Charities to be thinking like that. How can we think creatively? How can we um, offer suggestions to families to deal with some of the things that are happening? What are other suggestions um, that you've given family, mem- family members to communicate better and work through some of their anxieties and frustrations of being sort of stuck in homes altogether, what, what is it that you and your therapists are telling folks? Sure. So, um, you know, we're really just sort of meeting the clients where, where they are and sort of working with them what they want to be working on. So if a mom's frustrated that her kid is not sitting down doing his homework, we're just really helping the mom sort of process, set realistic expectations, um, and help sort of the kid and the mom meet in the middle. Um, So, you know, sometimes it's just about offering a space for parents to sort of vent and process, um, and also the the children as well. Um, And other times it's actually providing some concrete help, like try doing this, or have you thought about explaining yourself in this way? Excellent. And then you you get requests. I mean, there are a lot of things that I imagine come up where other referrals to Catholic charities might make sense. Do you have a, we only have about a minute before the next break, but can you tell us a little bit about a time where those referrals have been helpful? Sure. Um, So, I mean, it's one of the many wonderful things of working for Catholic charities in such a large organization. We have lots of different referrals, um, sort of, that we're able to make um, within our own, own organization. So, Um, Some examples, you know, we're often providing referrals to our own food pantries and to um, our own housing programs. Um, And recently we had a mom who was really worried about her immigration status. We referred her to CCLA, our legal department, who um, sort of scooped her up and was really able to work with her on um, some concrete legal issues and um, she's now sort of working towards her visa, which has just decreased the family stress in general. So um, that was really a great example of um, sort of utilizing various systems within Catholic charities. That's amazing. And I also think it's a great example of how the the way that you and the other therapists on your team sort of look at an entire picture, an entire system, and help engage around that. I think, I, I you know, not... Obviously, this show is to toot our own horn, but I think (laughs) this is really a space in which we should say how proud we are um, that we have such quality therapists on our team um, to be able to think like that and act like that. As a team, um, can you tell us a little bit about what you and your colleagues, like, obviously, you've had to shift in terms of how you're delivering services. What have you learned about yourselves and your team, and what do you hope to to bring forward even when you can see clients in, in person? You know, that, that shift, which you mentioned, that, that will continue. Um, we've started to have uh, discussions about our future operations 
And we envision that telehealth through the different platforms, through computers, through phones, will definitely continue to be a part of how we deliver services. We feel that this will help to continue meeting the needs of clients and help them to access services while still feeling safe. I think that's I think that's incredible because I think when we when we look at sort of the ways all of us are going to be doing things differently um, and and as you know as an extrovert who just wants to be around a bunch of people like this is killing me but I do think that there's some benefit to being able to think differently and creatively and say okay wait a second we can do some telehealth um, we can we can think sort of in new ways to help people even when we're able to go back to those old ways I think that's that's amazing I have um, a specific question, and I, I, we didn't prep you with this, so my apologies. But I do think it's something that a lot of people will be dealing with. Certainly the statistics show it. So I think a lot of our listeners may know people. Um, is, you know, what happens with your mental health if you're unemployed? Um, you know, we see those unemployment numbers going up every day. Um, you know, there's been comparisons to the Great Depression. There's obviously a lot of economic anxiety, but there's a lot of identity that's um, tied to our work. And so I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on on what it's important for people who may find themselves unemployed to think through or how we can be helpful to those in our lives who might be experiencing that. Uh, it's um, interesting that you said identity because I think that's key right there, is helping people to understand that we don't live to work, we work to live. So to make that shift cognitively, that who you are, you use work as a way to sustain who you are. And so we tap into the who you really are to help them redefine or to look at their identity differently. We encourage you to go to the Catholic Charities website to see how you can support their ministries that impact the lives of tens of thousands of people in need in Cook and Lake Counties. Just go to catholiccharities.net. For our final segment this week, Father Larry Sullivan, Director of Catholic Cemeteries of the Archdiocese of Chicago, joined Father Greg Sakowitz and Mark Teresi on Thursday to talk about online field masses that will be held on Memorial Day. Let's listen in. You have the floor, Larry. All right. Well, as we all know, these are very difficult days that we're living under, but we wanted to make sure at Catholic Cemeteries of Chicago that we're going to keep Memorial Day very special. So in the past, we would get about 15,000 people that would come to either one of our 21 uh, masses that would take place on Memorial Day at 1030 or at one of the 16 parishes at varying times. Uh, with the restrictions that we have placed upon us with groups of 10 or less, that's simply not going to be uh, possible this Memorial Day. So we are going to make them special. We're going to have three Masses that will be celebrated in in private, uh, one in Spanish, one in English, and one in Polish. So Bishop uh, Robert Casey, uh, Bishop-elect Michael McGovern, and Bishop Andrew Vipic will be the celebrants for the Masses. And so those Masses will be made available uh, starting on Memorial Day at, uh, at 8.30 in the morning. So, now How can people uh, t- uh, tune in? 
And the best way to do it would be to go to the uh, website, catholiccemeterychicago.org. But we are trying to get this message out in a, a wide variety of ways. And so there could be other opportunities to watch it as well. But certainly the best and surest way would be to go to our website, and then we'll have a, a link available for people to watch that. And they can make their choice, either to watch uh, Father Robert Casey do what his in Spanish, Father a Bishop-elect uh, Mike McGovern do the English, or Bishop Andrew Bipic in Polish. And so you'll have your choice. All three will be available. Larry, can every, like, can Holy Name put that on their website with the link? Can, are you going to yeah. get that to every parish so that we, we, we can... are going to get it to every parish? And I do know that some parishes will have their own Memorial Day masses, so it may not be available on all uh, websites. But we hope to make it on as available as possible on as many websites as possible. So, uh, and worry. Also hoping that the parishes that utilize constant contact will send the link out to all their parishioners so that they can click directly on it with the link. We're just going to do the full court press with this because uh, normally uh, for Memorial Day weekend, 75,000-plus people come to our cemeteries. And again, today's day and age, our cemeteries will be open uh, from 8 to 7 p.m. with strict guidelines and that, but it's not going to be the same. And so... The more people that watch these masses, uh, the better it will be for, for everybody. Larry, quick question. The, the, as the, the bishops and bishop-elect, where are they actually presiding from for these Memorial Day masses? So the, uh, at Queen of Heaven Cemetery, we have a beautiful mausoleum. The, um, the Queen of Heaven mausoleum mm-hmm. just has a beautiful chapel in there. So mm-hmm. the masses will be uh, filmed at the chapel at Queen of Heaven Cemetery. But those... Uh, do have to be closed to the public. As you know, we can't have right. any public masses at this time, and so those those will be uh, completely closed. We'll have uh, less than 10 people for the filming of them, and then. but, but it should still be pretty spectacular. We're going to add in some beautiful footage, and uh, we're just working to make these masses really very nice with some beautiful pictures. Yeah. Let me have to ask you this question. We mm-hmm. all know this has been an extremely hard time with the death of a loved one. I mean, to lose a loved one anytime is hard, but previous before COVID-19, you'd have the wake, the funeral mass celebration, liturgy, and then off to the cemetery. And when my own mother died back in January, and God, do I miss my mom? But, you know, we had we waked mom at the cathedral, had an evening mass, and next day private interment with the family at the St. Albert Cemetery. Now... I've been involved with three or four funerals. It's hard to tell people there's no wake, there's no funeral mass, and all you do is you can meet at the chapel or the funeral home and the chapel for the cemetery. And it's it's hardest to do. It's important because you can't have a gathering of 70, 80, 150 people. Um, say, Say more about that. So this has been very difficult on, on everybody. Our families have really been been suffering. Um, it's just so difficult not to be able to come together uh, during these times. We see this on, on both sides. My associate, Father Matt, uh, was talking about how he was on a Zoom conference call yesterday with all of the siblings of a, of a man who was dying in the hospital, mm-hmm. and, and none of them could be in the hospital. And he's trying to facilitate prayer, and they're, they're sharing stories and that. Uh, very, very difficult. I've had similar experiences with um, 
not really a, a, a wake service, but to, to gather family together all on Zoom to just share stories about their loved ones. So these, these are very difficult. Um, I'm very pleased with our, with our cemetery staff. We've had uh, a number of COVID cases come through our gates, and uh, our cemetery workers are essential workers, and they, they really are just doing uh, the work of the Lord. There's no doubt about that. And they're trying to manage the numbers, and uh, some families really understand what is, is happening, and they take the precautions themselves. Other families, um, the, as we know, there's varying levels of uh, belief on, on how severe this is. And so our cemetery staff is in the awkward position of trying to really help families understand that only 10 people can be present. And um, our, our workers are just doing their best, and they're doing a phenomenal job of, of managing a very stressful time in the worst of, uh, of yeah. uh, situations, the worst time period in history. So it has been difficult, but, but it is we're, we're working very closely with the funeral directors. We're working very closely with the families. But uh, we are only allowing 10 people uh, to, to, to be present for the, the prayer service and uh, the lowering of the casket and things like that. It's, again, very, very difficult and very, very hard on, on families. Uh, I just wanted to make sure people know uh, that you're open. Could you just talk a little bit about that, Larry? And why are you open? Yes. Why are you yeah, open? So, uh, again, I want to thank you for bringing this up because we're really counting on our families to, to support us and to help us uh, maintain proper social distancing, to keep the numbers low. One of the reasons that we're able to stay open is because it is an essential uh, ministry, burying the that that is not only a corporal work of mercy, it's a civic uh, work of mercy as well. It really is so important. But when families come to visit us, they they have to keep the numbers to 10 or less. Mm-hmm. If we see big groups, we're, we're doing our best to, to address that. And uh, one of the surest ways to, to make sure that we have to close down is that things simply become unmanageable. Mm-hmm. So for by and large now, we have a lot of people who are coming into our cemeteries, but they're very vast spaces. If there right. are small numbers of people gathering together uh, to mourn the loss of a loved one at the gravesite, uh, that's completely and totally acceptable. And we see a lot of people wearing staff, uh, excuse me, wearing masks, exactly. which I know you were talking about in the previous half hour. Um, we also, you know, continue to, to staff the cemeteries so that we can have information available, but in, in very, uh, again, responsible ways. Our, our offices are not open for regular business. Our offices are open for at-need and immediate-need uh, plans and things like that to, to be able to make arrangements, but, but we, we're not conducting the regular day-to-day business. That would be irresponsible on our part, so we're not going to do that. So I have to make you a shout-out, Larry, and that is uh, when I've dealt with people in your office, when I've dealt with the workers in the field, um, they have been very gracious, mm-hmm. very kind, very respectful, very helpful. And we all know these are very hard times. And when you're dealing with death, you're catching people at a very hard moment. Even if it's grandma who was at the age of 97 or someone who's seven. You know, when you lose a loved one, a part of you dies. And the more you love someone, the harder to say goodbye. And age is irrelevant. Age is irrelevant. Is. I, always, I always tell people... Boy, you had them for a long, long time, but I know it wasn't long enough. Exactly. You know, no matter how long, it could be 100-plus years, you had them for a long, long time, 
wasn't quite long enough. That's that, a good that line. This is human nature, you know. Larry, can I ask you, uh, it's, it's kind of a personal question, but so you no, want Mark, to... Mark does this all the time to guess. He puts people on the spot, Larry. So, you, you, you know, here we go with you now. So you went to ISU, came back uh, to Niles, then Mundline ordained. Could you ever imagined when you were at ISU coming back to be a priest that you're going to be running the cemeteries here? How does that connect to your priestly ministry? You know, I, I, I never had any idea whatsoever that that was going to lie in my future. But I will say I've been a priest now for almost 30 years. It'll be 28 years this um, the, in, in two weeks. Congratulations. And wow. Th- thank you. You're, and you're an old really, guy. I, I, I've been I always think of myself years. as so young, and that's not true anymore. <laughs> but the, the cemetery has always been just a, a wonderful, peaceful place for me. I used to walk at uh, St. Joseph Cemetery when I was in uh, St. Celestine's Parish in Elmwood Park, and I, I saw firsthand how important that ministry was, and, and I just have the highest regard for uh, our field workers, for our office workers, for our staff, and just the great love, care, and Christian service that they provide to families in need. And so I feel very, very privileged to be a part of this ministry. I consider myself the pastor of Christ the King Parish and the pastor of Catholic Cemeteries of Beautiful. Chicago, and I really try to keep that spiritual connection with, with our employees, who I know are putting themselves at risk each and every day when they, they come to work, because they're, they're dealing with families, and they're dealing with a wide variety of people. And so I just have utmost respect for them, and always have. Long before the pandemic, I recognized just what a special group of people our cemetery workers are. You know, it's very interesting, uh, Larry, you say that, because uh, when I go through a cemetery, you know, with a family for a graveside or whatever it might be, just or to see my mother, my uncle, uh, my father in the cemetery. I'll come up to names and see something, John Smith, Mary Jones. I always think to myself, I never had a chance to meet you because you died in 1940 or 1917 or 1980, but our paths never crossed and thought, what was your life like? But we never had a mm-hmm. chance to cross paths, yeah. the gift of every human being. Uh, we only have the last minute here, or last half minute, Larry. Again, I just want to say something real quick about that. We perform not only the corporal work of mercy, which is burying the dead, but the spiritual work of mercy, which is praying for the living mm-hmm. and the dead. So yes. what you're doing when you're reading those names and you're saying a prayer for them, yeah. that's the spiritual work of mercy. And so yeah. I want to thank you for doing that. So again, there will be a number of ways to access it, but the best way would be to come to our website, catholiccemeterychicago.org. Uh, starting on Memorial Day at 8 o'clock. We're going to make the, the Masses available, and you, again, will have the option of choosing to have it in English, Spanish, or Polish. And so that will be the best way, and we're going to do everything we can to make this a, a wonderful Memorial Day in very difficult and trying circumstances. And again, I do ask our visitors to please re- be respectful of the rules set by the state. For more information about the Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic Cemeteries, visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Here's a reminder that you can attend Mass online by visiting our website, archchicago.org. We have daily Masses from St. James Chapel at the Quigley Center and Sunday Masses in English, Spanish, and Polish from Holy Name Cathedral. That's archchicago.org. The Masses are also available on Facebook and our YouTube channel, youtube.com catholicchicago. Our thanks goes out to ABC7 for televising our English Sunday Mass at 9.30 in the morning, to Univision for televising our Spanish-language Mass at 10 a.m., 
and Polevision for televising our Polish language mass Sunday at 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. And thank you for listening to us every Saturday morning on Relevant Radio 950 and 930 a.m. I'm Michael May for Catholic Chicago Week in Review. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. Join us every Saturday morning for Catholic Chicago Week in Review. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.